Welcome back to the Wrestling with Legends podcast. I am your host, Vince McKee. Today's guest, UFC legend Scott Ferrozo. Without any further ado, let's get Scott to the phone. As we are here on the beautiful outside deck of Keon Sports Studios, the first interview of the summer. What better guest than Scott Ferrozo? All right, on the hotline now, Scott Ferrozo. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Before we get started, I have to ask you, how's the weather in Minnesota right now? Oh, my God. I mean, today is beautiful, but it's been a really short, short spring. Yeah. You know, it's terrible. I can't even drive around my Hummer because my top is off. No, I understand completely. I'm here in northeast Ohio, uh, about 10 minutes west of Cleveland, going through the same stuff. We've we've had nothing but constant rain um, going on like a month, you know, a day off here and there. But, yeah, it's been a little ridiculous. Um, I didn't want to, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to have you on the show. Um, mainly we have, you know, guys from the you know MLB, NBA, NFL, WWE. But you are a guy who's always stuck out to me just because, you know, quite frankly, I watched you growing up in MMA um, you were one of the guys who really stood out to me. So this is this is actually you know a pleasure to have you on the show. Kind of a fanboy moment for myself. But I wanted to ask you before competing in MMA. I've always wanted to know this. What athletic background did you have? Did you play sports in high school and college or anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah. I was uh, uh, well younger growing up. You know, I was kind of you know I was thought that I was tough. High school, I played three sports. I wrestled, ran track, and uh, played football. I went 117 and 7 my uh, wrestling career. Two time state champion, uh, San Francisco City champion. Yeah, so wrestling came pretty easy for me, but I wrestled because I even held my football career. That's incredible. Now, I have to ask you this too, because I have a daughter who runs track. Which events did you did you participate in track? So I ran the four forty Wegmans relay, and uh, shot put and disc, of course. Okay, <laughs> I would have guessed the shot put for sure. So oh, yeah. you know you're coming up and everything, and as we all know, there's no such thing as professional wrestling. We we yes, there is the stuff on TV, but you know what I mean. Like you know the the Olympics, the Olympics is about as far as somebody could get. So. You know, we have this thing called MMA now. It, it's getting kind of big at the time. Um, but your first listed fight, right? Well, I'm looking at this. It shows up as an Atlanta, Atlanta pit fight. Well, I got to ask you, what in the world is an Atlanta pit fight? So my manager at the time gets contacted. Uh, and he was he was contacted by these guys in Atlanta that have a fight. And this guy was that, that threw the fight was kind of a freak. He liked his underground fighting. He liked fighting. And he was actually the writer of LL Cool J's Mama Gonna Knock You Out. He wrote that song for LL Cool J. So, on there, and this guy was a Navy SEAL. And, you know, we sat next to each other and put on our shoes and just kind of went at it. He was a tough, tough, tough dude. I'm sure that in life and death, he would have killed me. But it was a fight. It wasn't, you know, life or death. You know, interesting to me, too, that this was at a time in, in MMA history where there wasn't weight classes yet. There wasn't rounds, per se. They were really just kind of getting their feet wet and, and really testing out a lot of things. One of the things that I think 
attracted fans to to the sport was some of the factions that they had, right? Because they were all related to pro wrestling and, and kind of like images and, and uh, egos and things like that. Sure. One of those things was the Lions Den. Now, you took on a fighter, Jerry Bolander, in one of your earliest UFC fights. I remember watching it live. Um, it doesn't even seem that long ago. Uh, you know, it says yeah. something about my age, I guess. But I was I was actually a big Lions Den fan because I just thought it was cool that there was a faction. Did they have, like, a swagger about them behind the scenes? Or were they actually nice guys? Or, you know, what can you remember about, like, really the respect level? Because their whole thing seemed to be that they wanted to be respected. Well, I want to tell you, I don't have... Uh anything that stands out. I know that these guys here were, you know, they were a crew, they all walked around together, they were, but for once, I never thought any of them got out of line. They were all very respectful. Ken was respectful. Everybody was, you know, I think that they had a swagger about them, but they were, you know, respectful about it, and they just, you know, they did what they did. It would have been pretty cool to be part of that whole, that whole upbringing. Me, I never had that up there, but I just didn't, you know, I was a, I was a guy that was just freaking pissed off at the world at one time. You know, easily the fight that you're famous for is the UFC win over Tank Abbott. You had one earlier in the night, um, then it was an injury, so you get placed in this tournament with Tank Abbott, right? So now, yeah. you know, a couple questions for you, because this is really the big deal, obviously. You know, what did you know about him going into that fight? Were you able to study some of his tape um i mean was he seen as like a bully because to me i'm I'm just gonna be i'm straight up i'm gonna shoot with you here as a fan of the sport at the time i couldn't stand him because he, he came across to me as a bully and i was just waiting for somebody to punch him in the face what did you know about him before that fight so well, i got invited so we sent a couple tapes and uh to the ufc they contacted me how, how it all really happened was i was selling toy robots all across the country. I was probably the, the largest toy robot dealer in the world. Wow. And this guy kept buying stuff for me, 25, 30 grand a week. And he would send me cash in a, a FedEx envelope. Oh, geez. So I asked him one day, yeah, I asked him one day, what do you do for a living? He goes, I put on pay-per-view shows. And weeks previous, I saw the UFC for the first time. And I go, hey, you guys, you know the guys over at the UFC? They go, yeah, they're all my buddies. I said, I'll give you the next robot for free if you just make the introduction. So it wasn't, it wasn't a month later that I was in Buffalo where Tank had just come off a suspension or something. Right. And I saw him there, and I didn't like this guy. I didn't, I didn't like him, period, because he was a bully. Yep. <laughs> and Marowitz, I go, how about I just go and kick Tank's ass right now? And Marowitz <laughs> looks at me and goes, if you touch him, you'll never get in the UFC. So I, mean, I knew right then and there that was his baby. But during that during that uh, that fight that I actually got to fight him, I knew I trained just to fight Tank Abbott that night, even though I was over you know, an alternate. So it was kind of really weird when they when 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 the alternate when the main fight uh, the guy pulled out. I was already in the back warming up to take on Tank, and they come busting in. Where you been? What's going on? Are you, are you, you're going to fight next year to fight Tank, and I'm already warmed up, ready to go. That's incredible. Now let me ask you this, and this is this is something you know I've asked fighters before and and uh, professional athletes of all kinds. I've been doing this for you know many years on the microphone, but 
a lot of times in the crowd, I could sense the momentum starting to change. I think anybody can. Anybody with half a brain could sit and watch a fight and pinpoint that moment when the momentum starts to change. So here you go. You're in the cage with Tank Abbott. Um, nobody, you know, a lot of casual fans are going to think, you know, quite frankly, hey, this guy's going to go out there and he's going to get knocked out because that's what Tank Abbott does. Everybody knocks everybody out unless he gets gassed. That clearly didn't happen. So what part of that fight did you feel that momentum start to switch and think to yourself, I got this guy? Well, it, it changed twice for me, actually. So when he had me up on the fence and he's hitting me from behind, he's not, I'm cut, but I'm not, he's not doing any damage. And I told him you hit like a fucking girl. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I think that, you know, he kind of, you know, took a back stab to that. But then when we're on the fence, I hit him with an uppercut. And if you watch that fight, I hit him with an uppercut that actually took him, I think he took him off his feet or, he, you know, but I could see him days over. I think I got this motherfucker. And all of a sudden, boom, he's back. So I just knew right then and there that he wasn't going to beat me. And, you know, I got such a big-ass head and a big-ass neck that I don't think nobody can really knock me out. Oh, that's very true. Now here's the thing, man. You know the fight game very well. And you know this could have happened. All right? So, I'm, again, I'm shooting straight from the hip here. Be- because because he was the big name, all right, he's the moneymaker and all that crap, were you worried about getting screwed on the on the judge's scorecards when it was done? No. No, not at all. No, I knew that I beat him. I knew that I, 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 knew that I beat him. You can see, see my reaction when the fight was over. I knew that I beat him. That's he knew that I beat him. That's incredible. I, like I said, I remember cheering. I remember getting up and, and being like, this is yeah. freaking great. Oh, yeah. Everybody in the world was against me during that fight, and everybody ended up being with me at the <laughs> end. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, listen, so moving on from that night, though, or later in that night, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to touch on a sore subject or anything, but you couldn't fight Mark Holman. Uh, what, what happened? So, in the back there, I took on three leaders. They put an IV in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I was just gassed. There was no possible way me and Mark could Mark would have kicked my ass anyways. There was no question there back in that day. But yeah, I just I couldn't go on, and you know the big it was a big win. And, and really, for me, that's all that I wanted to do was to go to the UFC and beat Tank. You did. So when that when that happened, you know there was a lot of gas that that you know was released, and I just. I didn't have it in me, but if I would have fought Coleman, I mean, if I would have fought Coleman, he would have just destroyed me. Now, this is this is a fun one too. Uh, just just crazy. I mean, how the sport has evolved, right? And over the course of time, there's been some phenoms, like guys who came in and just started murdering people, and everybody were like, "Holy crap, what is this?" One of those guys was Vitor Belfort. You know, I, again, I'm asking you straight up here, and I I can't wait to hear this answer. How damn fast were his hands? You know, he was pretty fast, but the thing was is that if you watch that fight, he had me in the down position, and he wasn't hurting me. I thought that fight got called because when I felt the, I got, I thought it got called early because as soon as I felt the pressure come up, I got up, got him, and all of a sudden, you know, I have him into the fence, and McCarthy's uh, accosting me, and. You know, it was over, and I just thought that, yeah, that was way too soon. I mean, Don Fry used to—I I used to lay on the ground, and Don Fry would hit me with his gloves from on his back when I was—he would be on my back, 
you're not really gonna, you know, you can't really hurt. Well, back then, you can't really hurt me. I mean, you just couldn't punch me. You couldn't. But he was fast, and you know, he would have been a, a hell of a boxer. But I think that he got sick, and that was the end of that. Really, that part of that career. Yeah, agreed completely uh, on both your points. As a fan, I remember thinking like this. This actually could have went on a little bit longer than it did. I remember thinking that. And to your second point, you are hundred percent correct. Once he got sick for a little bit there, everything kind of changed about his entire routine, his style, all those things. And and like anything with MMA, people caught up with him. Um, now, we no, actually talk once in a while on Facebook. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, he friended me about three or four years ago. We had a good laugh because I have a I have a really cool photo of me and him together outside the, after that fight, outside in the parking lot because we all hung out in the parking lot for like two hours, and I got a really cool photo with him and me. Uh, his face is all perfect, and mine is a little bit lumpy. Oh no, that's really cool, man. Uh, I always wonder about that kind of stuff. I actually got a question like that coming up, too. A few questions left here, and again, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with Keon Sports. Um, the fight versus uh, Belford was your last official fight that I know of, remember watching at least, in the UFC and MMA in general. After that one, why did you decide to kind of step away and move on with life? Well, again, I... I, I, I own a car dealership. It was, it was getting busy... I did what I set out to do. I had a goal to fight Tank and beat him, and that's what I did. And, you know, it, it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't me. I mean, if it, if it, if it, that fight game came 10 years too late for me. When I was a little younger and playing football, I, I was a, you know, and I've, I've said this before, I was a very violent player. Even with my own teammates, I was violent. I was in practice. I must have got thrown off the football field dozens of times. And I was just mean. I was freaking, I was jacked up on steroids because back then steroids were legal. They didn't care. And I was just plain ass mean. You looked at me wrong, I'm kicking your ass. But I was never, you know, once you went down, it was over. So I was never a bully type, but you tried me. I was zero to 100 in a millisecond. When football was done for me, it like a light switch went off, and I changed my whole persona. I was I never got another fight, and then when the UFC came along, um, I I uh, said, "Hell yeah, I could do that." But again, it came ten, you know if, if it was ten years earlier when I was in my phase, I think things I think that I would I would have done the I would have done the the. Sure. You know, um, I don't normally do this, but you're a pretty stand-up guy, so I'm going to let this one fly. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug the dealership that you own? Oh, I'm up here at Bunker Lake Motors in Minnesota, up here at Ham Lake. I have about 110 cars. I got uh, prices all over the place, from two grand to fifteen grand, twenty grand. You know, it's a great place to come in and buy a car. We got a fifty style. Uh, office it's all checkerboard stainless steel it's pretty cool up here that's awesome man i absolutely yeah. freaking love it that's great so yeah. 
couple more, couple more uh, questions here for you. Almost done. So th this one cracks me up. All right, and I'm not a big internet junkie, right? Like I got my Facebook account and all those things and all that crap. But listen, like I'm not the kind of guy who like does deep, you know, deep dives on Google and tries to figure, you know, whatever happened to this guy or whatever. But regardless, okay. So I look at I look at a ton of MMA stuff, a ton, and you know, you look at enough crap you know, all of a sudden, like, things start to come to you. Like, you get, like, these advertisements for shit. So all of a sudden, this thing comes on, and it's you and Tank in somebody's backyard. So I have to ask, 15, 15 years go by, and suddenly you're in a backyard around a fire pit from, from what I remember watching. Whose idea was it? And had you even spoke to Tank in those 15 years that went by? I mean, I've talked to him, talked to him on the radio, you know, just, you know, call him a fag and, you know, all the stuff that you normally do and, you know, and one day this guy named Brian, he comes to gets a hold of me and says, "Hey, I want to put on a pay per view show." So we go, we agree to it. And he pays me a tremendous amount of money. Jeez, I, I mean, more money than I made the UFC at one time. And so we're all there. And the night before the fight, me, Tank, his, the Tank's dad, we're all in the hotel bullshitting around, and. Tank's dad comes to me and looks at me and goes, nobody's going to get hurt, right? And I look at him and I go, yeah, nobody's going to get hurt. And actually, me and Tank sat down and talked for two hours just bullshit. <laughs> and my whole, my whole persona of Tank completely changed. So that night, that, that next day, the, the bar, everything was all ready to go. And then the boxing commission shut it down and, and they got a hold and they said if anybody fights the promoters are going to jail whoa yeah so we look at each other and go well, what are you going to do and one guy goes well I got friends in my backyard let's go <laughs> so that's what we did <laughs> what that's the hell if you, look, if you look at that fight I'm going to tell you yeah I am less than 30 days out of having bypass or uh, gastric bypass surgery. Oh God! Uh, I have six holes in my stomach, so I trained as hard as I possibly could for doing that because I knew that I wanted to give a good show. But if you look at that fight, I beat him twice. He quit on me twice. In the back of my head, so when we first open up the fight, boom, 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 he bends over, and then I'm just about to kick him right in his friggin' head. And then the thought of his dad saying, nobody's going to get hurt, right? And I said to him, yes, nobody's going to get hurt. Yeah. So I backed off and said, no, give him some time, let him breathe. So he went at it again. And, you know... And there was another point where he quit, and I said, no, let's give him. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this guy's paid me way too much money <laughs> to end this fight in fucking 45 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, Tank, when Tank quits, he quits. And then all of a sudden, Tank got his second wind, and, you know, we went at it. And when he was on top of me, the, the staples in my stomach, the stitches in my stomach, he was on top of me. And literally, I was, I was a millisecond from tapping out and then he moved a bit and I got to take a breath and we went at it again so it, it was good I'm glad that, you know it, it is what it is I think in both of his heart and my heart he knows he quit twice but you know hey it's Tank Abbott they're going to give it to him no matter what 
know, if you look at that fight, I let him hit me in that mouth of, you know, and they had a couple times I said, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> well, I remember. It was a good time, and the guy, Brian, who paid me a freaking ton of money. That cracks me up. I remember you made him laugh at one point, too, because you were talking trash from the bottom. Uh, yeah, when he had you mounted, I was he starts laughing. I'm like, this is a riot. So I got to ask you a follow-up question. I, I didn't even have this written down, but this is just something that cracks me up. Maybe I, I think about stuff way too much. But um, So here's the thing, right? So you go to an arena. You have a locker room. You have all that stuff. And after the fight, I'm sure you, you shower, you get cleaned up, stitched up, whatever. You go home. So I just had this image in my head, which I think is hysterical, of the fight, you know, the fight's over, and then all of a sudden you guys sit around, drink some beers around the campfire, tell some stories, and then eventually you have to pull out of the driveway. Like, it just cracks me up. Like, did you go home right away, or did you, like, stick around, yeah, roast exactly, wieners? That's kind of exactly what happened. We all kind of hung out in the backyard. There was the neighbors. I mean, it was, they must have called somebody because there was people over the fences, cars all over the place. <laughs> like, people drove up and ran over there. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, we just posted it around and then went, uh, we went back to the, to the hotel. And I think we went eight and everything. And, you know, we got together later that evening. But, yeah, you know, and then I've talked, you know, Tank is my friend on Facebook and he's with his wife, Sally. And I see that Tank's doing really well. If, I mean, listen, I look at some, I look at Tank Abbott, I look at like, Mark Holman, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I'm going to tell you, back in the day, we used to throw fights down here, and Mark Holman brought up a fighter one time. And he steps in the ring, and everybody's going screaming, holler, my name, Ferozo. And, you know, I've always lifted weights. I've always been in really, you know, pretty good outside-the-ring shape. And he gets in there, we freaking, the crowd was just going nuts like me and him were going to fight. <laughs> but I have a tremendous amount of respect for Holman. He was a beast back in the day, and, you know, Fry, and I talked to Fry, you know, once a month. And uh, Sally Abbott's, you know, kind of in charge of Hank's Facebook, and, you know, he posts a lot of pictures, but life's been rough for some of those guys, man. Drinking, partying, oh, yeah. eating, I've never done any of that stuff, so I'm relatively pretty healthy. Yeah, I know Mark just uh, recently celebrated one year of sobriety, but that was, I mean, he had a heart attack and everything else. Like, it's, it takes its toll, and, and like you said, and I don't want to get way off track here, I actually only have one more question left, but, you know, um, it does, man, it takes its toll, and I, I've talked to so many professional athletes who took steroids earlier in their life, and it does, like, I think people have the wrong image about steroids. What it does is, is, is for the most part, it helps your body recuperate quicker from a workout and also increase the strength of it. It doesn't just give you muscles. Like, you literally have to do the freaking work or else it's pointless, you know. And But what it does later on in life for a lot of people, though, if they combine it with drugs and alcohol and everything else, it really breaks down their body very badly. But... I, I don't want to go down that route. So uh, one last question here for you. Actually, two last questions. One, uh, this one's, again, right off the hip. I'm just curious. You know, with you owning the car dealership and everything, do a lot of people, um, I, I, don't, I don't know what constitutes as a lot, but, like, how often do you get stopped for an autograph and a picture? So it, it's, it's nice to be recognized sometimes, you know. Uh, I'm not really a, I don't, like, I'm an introvert living an extroverted life, really. So, I mean, Back in the day, it used to be quite a bit. Um, not so much now, but it, people do recognize me. I have sold customers' cars, and I want to tell you a story that really kind of that really hit home about 
athletes out there who influence people that they never know. But one day, and this is a true story, um, this guy owns a eyeglass wear called Eyes All Over on 7th Street in St. Paul. And I walk in there and it like hit me a ton of bricks the way this guy looked at me. Now, he's a younger kid. He's probably in his late 30s, early 30s. And he's, he looks at me and goes, Scott Ferrozo. I go, yeah. Oh, my God. And so we talked. I did my eye exam and the whole bit. And I went back to, you know, ordered the glasses, went back and picked it up. And he goes, you know, Scott, I'd like to tell you something. I watched you beat Dan Gabbitt. And my dad was so mean to me. And I knew that you were from, from Minnesota. And he used to beat me up all the time. And I wished one day that I could meet you and you could go beat up my dad for me. You know, this is his younger self talking to me. Wow. And I look at him and I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah. Uh, I used to dream at night that you would come here and you would beat up my dad for me and that I wouldn't have to worry. And we talked. And it, was just, it, it, was really, it really affected me how, how he thought those kind of things about me and I walk into his store. So I, I dug up Tank Abbott's and my gloves and uh, I gave it to him. And we took pictures together for the third time that I went back in there for new glasses. But, you know, it's important to know that we do affect people in this sport, in any sport. And sometimes you get to meet, you know, sometimes they get to meet people that they admire. And sometimes they don't. But, you know, it's important that we always do the right thing when it comes to our fans. And uh, well, that's a true story. It's it was it absolutely that was one of the most heartfelt talks that we ever had with that with with a fan that I had. That's absolutely incredible. You know, that's something else, and I'll, I'll say it too. Uh, oh, uh oh, is he still there, Scott? Yes. Okay. I heard a beep. I was like, oh no. Just told a phenomenal story and I hung up on him. But no, like, I, I get it. Uh, my, again, I'm 40 years old and I am as close with my dad as ever. He's 67. He's going through, um, just began uh, Alzheimer's. So, dude, it and it sucks. But, like, it, it's, uh, you know, I've never had a problem with my dad. Like, so I, long story short, I'm just very happy for that, right? Because I've seen that. I've seen that with other families and, and abuse and everything. And it's just, it turns my stomach. So that's yeah. that story is incredible. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. the The last question for you here. It's funny because we want you know that's that's a very heartwarming story. And now my final question is is uh, it has nothing to do with uh, heartwarming and has everything to do with money, unfortunately. But here's the thing. So being forty years old, right? I grew up in an I grew up in an era where boxing was huge. Okay, so Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson and Riddick Bowen and form on and on down the list. Everybody loved boxing. All of a sudden, boxing disappeared. Okay, from from the from the spotlight of of all the household names. Many reasons for it, but one of the reasons that I feel that MMA took over as being really the prime combat sport out there for fans to get behind is because they put it on free TV. They put it on Spike TV. They put it on ESPN. They made they made a, a reality show about it. It gave it the exposure it needed. For the casual fan who didn't know shit about MMA, to all of a sudden they're they're starting to watch it and enjoy it and say, "Hey, this is for us." And then they were willing they were willing to buy the pay per views. 
do you feel, you know, uh, Dana White and the Fertitta brothers, like, do you feel that they saved the sport by putting it on free TV? Well, I don't know if you know, you know, what to put in the press, but the, the real thing is, is that Don King, Don King went to these cable companies, went to, they told them that if you put on any MMA fights, you will not get my boxing. So that's why they were having some trouble. And this is the way I understand it, is that once the Italians took over, they told Don Ford to go pound himself, and they did what they wanted to do. And put it on TV, all that stuff, kind of gave it the mainstream. I mean, I go to the gym now, I, I train every single day. I go to the gym now, and I see more fighters than I've ever seen in my life. From 6'5 to down to four four foot nine, they're all out there in the mirrors, shadow boxing. So it's really brought the sport to the mainstream. I like it. I'm glad that they're getting paid. I'm glad McCall, you know, all those guys are getting paid because, you know, they should. Unfortunately for me, you know, I played football for 14 years. I probably had 17, 18 concussions. I've had getting hit in the head, being put in review. You know, I don't know if you understand what being put in reverse is once you get hit. Mm-hmm. You back up a few seconds and then you can move forward. You just said deja vu. So right now I'm living with, you know, my memory is getting shot. Day-to-day stuff, I have to make sure that I do everything the same way. You know, so I'm glad that all these guys are getting paid, you know, and I have the utmost respect for Dana White. He runs a business. It's not a personality thing, it's a business, and they're there to make money. So whether he has troubles with fighters about money or, you know, not signing the right guy or signing sure or releasing them, it's a business. It's not, you know, it's not friendship. So I'm glad that Dana White and the brothers, they did everything they needed to do to bring this to mainstream because it is the ultimate one-on-one competition. Absolutely agreed. And I want to thank you again for coming on the show tonight. Really, the last thing, or not tonight because it's, what, like 10 in the morning? <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> it will it will air later today. But regardless, just want to thank you again, and I just want to throw this out there for everybody in the uh, you know the, the Twin Cities area, Minnesota area. If you're looking for a new or used car, Scott, where should they go again? Bunker Lake Park and Cell in Ham Lake, Minnesota on 65 and Bunker Lake Boulevard. Come down and see me because if you need a car, I got it. Absolutely love it. And I'll tell you what, if we ever expand outside of Ohio into the Minnesota area, where we start covering uh, Minnesota sports on a regular basis. I'm just going to tell you right now, man, I'm going to be hitting you up for a sponsorship. Absolutely. Don't, don't even think twice. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, and you have a, a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. All right, that was Scott Ferrozo, UFC legend, coming on the show today. Here and, and like we said, just beautiful outside here today. The Keon Sports Dak, baby. Yeah. Just finally put up the tarp uh, a couple days ago. I mentioned my dad on air. Uh, had my dad over here. Uh, as you know, we have the inside studios that we record almost everything from outside of actual game calls, which clearly happens in the arenas and the and the venues. But this is actually, uh, as I've always said in mind, kind of a guilty pleasure when it, when it comes to the Wrestling of Legends podcast because it. I mean, it's. It's, well, I'll just say it's a guilty pleasure because it's something we don't need to do. We do it because I absolutely love doing it. Um, you know, Keon Sports is known for our written content, number one, our game calls, number two. But podcasting is something we've been doing. We've been trying YouTube lately, all kinds of things like that. But regardless, having this outdoor studio, 
Um, just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. And again, we want to thank our guest, Scott Ferrozo. Uh, boy, I tell you what, he hit on a lot of great things here. Um, made me laugh a couple times. Actually put a lump in my throat at the one point when he was talking about the young man at the glasses uh, store. Just holy smokes. It, it's something, too. You know, and I, I, you know, I'll say this as we wrap things up. I'll be the first one to tell you, I am so lucky to, to have the parents that I did. You know, we, it's no secret. We grew up poor, didn't have any money. I mean, my dad worked full time. Uh, my mom was, was sick with epilepsy and other diseases and just never, uh, I mean, we always struggled flat out struggled. Uh, but the, you know, the, the one thing we had was a very happy home. So, um, to hear that story just breaks my heart because it can't, that's not a one-off, right? There's gotta be a lot of kids with that same story. So really breaks my heart. That aside, tremendous, tremendous stuff here. Uh, We've wanted to interview him for a long time. Got it done today. Couldn't be happier. So for everybody listening out there with Keon Sports, this is Vince McKee. Stay tuned. Later this week, we're going to have Doug Basham from the WWE is coming on. Still got that call out there to Frank Shamrock. You heard us mention the Lions then. And, hey, maybe we'll talk to Scott and uh, get some information for some of the guys he mentioned, like Vitor Belfort or Tank Abbott. That would be a blast as well. I'm not going to guarantee that. Please, you know, erase that from your memory immediately. <laughs> but I'll definitely, yeah, maybe try to work those angles. We'll see. Regardless, guys, this was a great show. Everybody have a phenomenal day.